0: Brittany
1: what's going on Brittany how's
0: it going it's going well you know it's a very beautiful day outside and it's starting to feel like spring which I'm super excited about so that it is that it is. it lifts the spirit it does Uh, (laughs) um I was do you watch Broad City no for some reason I've been binge watching that um because it's on Hulu Mm -hmm. and I just got this subscription so I've been discovering things, but, um, I was watching this episode <laughs> yesterday where the girl, one of the characters, um, got one of those, um, like seasonal, depressional, depressional, seasonal depression lamps. They're like, emit this light, oh, like for when, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, when it's darker, when it starts to change the seasons, you, right. you, you get this, um, I don't know if it's a UV light or whatever. But she was just, like, struggling. So she kept needing to go and go to <laughs> the closet while she was at work. She was a just trying to get, absorb oh, this hilarious. light. Yeah, because that would be me all day. I no. And I was like, now that it's, you know, starting to be spring out, we don't have to feel down and dreary and cold yeah. anymore. So I'm
1: like, I think I'm going to go on a strike. I don't think I'm going to go out again until 70 degrees consistently. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel that strongly about spring and what's going on right now in this area like I'm kind of upset
0: I agree because you know (laughs) this week it may be another 60 something
1: yeah it's ridiculous it's like up and down up and down and it looks like I think last year I literally because I pack up my winter clothes and my spring clothes and season change Mm -hmm. so I was literally packing clothes and digging clothes out at the same time and just Mm -hmm. reverting back to my sweaters last year because I remember that vaguely like I really strongly remember Doing that and how annoying it was. Yep. And how I was so ready for the seasons to change. And mm-hmm. we're back there again. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, oh. how are you? I'm tired. I'm I'm very sleepy. <laughs> On the drive over here, I almost fell asleep. No! <laughs> it felt so good because the car was so warm. The windows were rolled down. Like, I was just really into it, so... I could have curled up and went right to sleep. It was really. Mm.
0: And you stopped drinking coffee, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, only do bless tea. It. Yeah, bless yeah. it.
1: So it's been rough. Um, I so what know. do you
0: do when you need like a caffeine pickup? Nothing, girl. Tea. Ooh, that's it. Like mm-hmm. caffeinated teas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Ugh, Ugh, green tea or something like gross. that, but it's not. It's not um, strong enough to keep me awake. Cause I definitely had some like two hours prior to coming here and I'm still sleeping. Oh, so I don't know. Um,
0: bless it. I don't yeah. know how you're doing it. Okay. I don't know
1: either. So all yeah, right. like I told you, I've been taking naps all weekend. And my body thinks I'm supposed to be asleep right now. Cause <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's me. <laughs> So yeah, guys, um, so that wraps up us, and now we're going to get into uh, the show, and let's start with the Industry Rundown. It's time for
2: the Industry Rundown.
1: My first headline news says Sony Animation picks up Hair Love, a short from Black Klansman EP Matthew A. Cherry. So according to Essence, uh, Matthew A. Cherry, who was an executive producer for Black Klansman and a former NFL wide receiver, has teamed up with Sony Animation to bring his animated short Hair Love to life. Now, Hair Love is an animated short film about an African-American father trying to do his daughter's hair for the first time. This project actually started out as a Kickstarter that went viral last year. According to Deadline, the short was, oh, the short raised $300,000 on a Kickstarter back in 2007 and is the most, and is the most money that any short animated film has raised on that funding platform. Cherry stated that it was important to get his story out there, and they are so, and we are so grateful to have Sony Pictures for the, generous support in helping us make this happen. Hair Love will hit screens later this year, while the accompanying picture book will land on
0: shelves May 14th. Okay. Oh, so it's a book and a movie. And a movie. Okay, I I knew it was a book, but I thought the book was already out. So the book is not out. Not out
1: yet. Yes. So May 14th, guys, look out for that. Um, You can go on amazonrightnow.com and pre-order it.
0: So it's a short or a feature film? It's a film. short film. Oh, yeah, okay. it's a short film.
1: Okay. And I thought it was going to be a feature length, but it's not. It's definitely a short film that um, they're going to do. But I could see this turn to a feature length film um, if, you know, the buzz is big you think enough so? for it. Yeah, I think they could. I think it could expand the story of, you know, this particular instance and create a whole family around it and oh, have yeah, it as, you know, like a nice yeah. film.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you know that Matthew um, is a... An, an executive at monkey paw Productions. no i did not know mm-hmm. so y'all monkey paw is jordan peele's mm-hmm. uh, production yeah company. i do know that i thought that was very interesting i was like yes. oh okay
1: hmm. yeah because i know he was breaking into from the backstory that i read about him breaking into the television film mm-hmm. industry as well as doing his animated book thing so i think it's really cool that he had an nfl background and he's mm-hmm. stepping more into a creative platform and outlet that he has another career outside of you know, sports. So I think that's really dope and really cool. So we're rooting for you. Yeah, very cute. Yes, absolutely. So my next story, guys, um, the headline is RuPaul Charles sets summer talk show tests with Fox stations.
0: Yes, guess who's back <laughs> in the house? I'm literally, yes. before we start watching this show, is because RuPaul's Drag Race is one of my favorite, yeah. favorite, favorite Same. shows ever. Same. Like, me and my sister gag every year. I mean, I've been watching it since season one. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love RuPaul. I do. And so I'm here for this talk show. I am
1: too. So, so according, yes. Yes. so according to Variety, the RuPaul Drag Race host has signed a deal with telepictures and Fox television stations for a three-week test run of a talk show stripped to begin June 10th. RuPaul, which is the name of the show, is billed as a blend of celebrity and newsmaker interviews mixed with a focus on empowerment and aspirational message for everyday viewers. World of Wonder, the production entity behind Charles' long-running Drag Race reality competition series, is producing with telepictures Warner Brothers' domestic television distribution will handle the show. I wonder if he's gonna do this in drag or as himself. I think as himself. Cause I honestly, RuPaul said, unless they're gonna pay me, I'm not doing drag anymore. Oh! Yeah, he's not. Like, he only does it when he's getting paid. On the show. Like, on the show. But outside of that, he does not. I don't do blame drag. him. Like, he's, you no, know, he does not. I remember him saying that. And I was like, oh. I love you in drag but yeah no okay like pay me i ain't mad not at all but i absolutely love rupaul and i love rupaul's Mm -hmm. drag race and Mm -hmm. um the spinoffs that he's done there he's had great success with merging over from logo tv to mtv um network so the fact that he's able to move into another realm of having his own talk show is great timing i think
0: and i I mean his his success his Legacy is just undeniable. Like the career he has had, from doing drag shows to just being world renowned for that mm-hmm. um supermodel music. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And then the show, and then also he has a podcast. He has merchandise. Oh, it's I don't have to check out his podcast. I did not
1: know mm-hmm, about that. Him
0: and Michelle Visage. You oh, know. Oh,
1: cool. You want know that?
0: I mean, it's just. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan and I'm looking forward to this.
1: Definitely, I can't wait to see what who you know what topics he talks about and who he's gonna have on the show. So I think yeah. it's really dope. So okay. congrats, Rue. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is a heavy topic that I'm gonna get into, and it's pretty lengthy, but oh, I'm no. gonna try to. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. That just brought me down. No, no. That's why I saved it for last. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, in other headline news, um, this article is from Variety. This is actually an interview that they did with Taraji P. Henson. And Mm. in this article, she reveals that she suffers from depression and still faces pay inequality in Hollywood. She suffered
3: or suffers?
1: Suffers from depression Mm. and still faces pay inequality. Okay. Okay. So the article goes on to state that Ms. Henson was recently celebrated as one of Variety's Power of Women nominees for the work that she does with the Boris Lawrence Henderson Foundation on which she founded in 2018 in her late father's memory to eradicate the stigma around mental health in the African-American community, which is great and phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The article is also available on Variety.com, so please go check it out whenever you can. The article's very, very long, guys, so I'm only going to focus on the main topics of the headline. So, in the article, Taraji reveals that she talks to a therapist regularly and she admits that she speaks to, um, well, she talks to a therapist and she admits that she speaks to a therapist. She goes on to say that, the only way I can get through it, you can talk to your friends, but you need a professional who gives you exercises. So when you are on that ledge, You have things to say to yourself that will get you off the ledge Mm, and past mm -hmm. your weakest moments. Mm -hmm. Their job is to make sure you're mentally sound and to tell you the truth. So I'm going to pause right there for a second. I thought that was pretty deep that she actually went into details of maybe being at her lowest point at some time in her career or recently and that. She's actually had to get help to reel her back to reality and to help her come back down from whatever deep um, you know depression or whatever it was that she was experiencing at the time. I thought it was really brave of her to come out and say mm-hmm. that and um, I think it's something great that our community needs to hear because a lot of people feel um, a stigma around saying that they need additional help and or depressed and other things that may be, within our community or they may be going through or suffering from.
0: Right. And she's absolutely right that, I mean, all of us experience those times in our lives where we need to have someone give us something practical Mm -hmm. or to do something practical in order for us to check ourselves back into reality. Absolutely. She's absolutely right about that. So, yeah. Okay. So what else did the article say?
1: Okay. So, um, regarding equal pay, Ms. Henson states that she still fights to get paid to get paid what she deserves. She opens up about a recent experience where she states, I did a movie, but they paid me more than my quote and they came back and offered me half of my quote. Hmm? So they offered her more than, okay. So I guess she gave a quote of how much she wanted. Right. And they offered her more than that. hmm Okay. She accepted. Boom. They came back and offered her less than that after they looked and reviewed things. I guess on their budget, tear, you know how production stuff goes. Okay. Okay, girl. They said, okay, well, we said that we were going to give you this, but now we want to come back and give you this in reality. Didn't know that was possible, but apparently it is. Right. Okay. So, she goes on to say that she said no, and she said, you know what I'm worth? And actually I deserve a raise. I'm not doing that. And she actually walked away from the movie. Mm. Now she doesn't state what production company this is and she does not state what movie this was for. But um, it's it's quite interesting. And then in, in that statement, she also says, um, you know, if you want to pay someone, you know, less money for this, then go get a less talented actress who's going to, you know, take that money, but you're not going to get my talent Ooh. for that amount. Okay. I said, okay, girl, that's right. right. Well. Yeah. All right. And then, um, and she also talks about how she had to fight for a pay increase on empire. So again, guys, I, I really thought this was a great article. I recommend you check it out again. This is on variety.com Taraji P Henson, um, dealing with depression, pay increase, and a lot of other deep things that she goes into about, um, her personal life and her career overall. But yeah, any other thoughts, Brittany, on the Pay in- inequality in Hollywood and kind of how we face that, regardless of what industry you're in as a woman, especially as a black woman.
0: Um, yeah, negotiations and things. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like... I don't know. I have some thoughts, but I don't know if I have can fully formulate them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. It's yeah, a, it's lot, a lot. lot of layers. Yeah. It's a lot because... The thing about Hollywood actors... So, in the scenario in which he said oh, they offered me this and then they said they could do that and then they came back with Mm -hmm. something else. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, and I'm not trying to knock what she's saying, but I'm wondering if that was really like a gender equality thing or if it was, okay, well, we thought our budget was this and it's not. You know what I'm saying? So it's just hard. That's true. I don't know. Creative, overall black, excellent. It's
3: time for the spotlight.
1: But she did have um a portion where she in the article she talked about how the The curious case of Benjamin Button how uh Brad Brad Pitt and the other leading actress were getting paid a lot more money and she said they deserved it Right. She also wanted um, money too for it
0: and I think she only but got But at that, paid that time out. she wasn't as and that's famous what she, and that's what she The curious that. case of Benjamin Button is what put yeah. her onto crossover audiences Right, so. right, right,
1: right. And so she admitted that and I think she only got paid $100,000 for that film. I oh, mean that's really? what she said and that's what she said in the article I mean I don't know whether she was just saying that I don't know what that number was, but that number was in that article, and it was attached to the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So I'm assuming that that's what she was basically saying—how much she got paid for that role. Okay. Which is that's kind of low. That's a low end, in my opinion. It's low. It's very low. But considering
0: taxes, girl, really? Yeah, it's low. <laughs> but again, at that point, that's true. I do. Yeah. She wasn't as a big of a star. Very true. You know, she was mm-hmm. what in Tyler Perry films. And that's no knock. That's no knock, but I did. But yeah, I'm just saying, saying. she do. didn't have that appeal to crossover audiences, right? And if we lo- no t no shade Taraji. but if we look at what she's doing now, mm, yeah. But see, you know what? What What does she bring into the box office? That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah
1: we'll we'll come back to that some another time. We'll leave oh, that. Alone. Okay. Yeah, cuz I don't want to go to I'm
0: not y'all, I'm not I'm not trying to be shady at <laughs> no, all no, no, or no. not. I'm just saying I think being, I
1: think it's fair that we can be honest. We can give our honest opinion about, you know, our perspective and how we see things from a bigger picture. Yeah, because Primary wasn't it.
0: Um no. Acrimony was not it. No. So,
1: the last best thing that she's done in the box office was um what was that movie? Oh, Hidden Figures.
0: Hidden Figures.
1: I think that was, that was it. I can't recall her other big box office. Oh, yeah. No. Mm-mm, Cause she did that other one with, um, anyway, let's get off the Taraji. Of okay. We're done guys. Okay. We're well, in well she's
0: street. in the one with the best of enemies. So we'll see okay. what men want. I mean, all, all <laughs> I'm saying is, yeah. yeah okay yeah all right okay moving on all right
1: and that is it for the industry rundown guys thank you very much
0: <laughs> here's your opportunity to catch up on Thrones. this was the first episode season one
1: yeah i've tried i've done this i've, I've seen this one <laughs> and i got to episode two and i think i got to last like 15 minutes of it and i just didn't finish okay i don't know okay. what the hell's wrong with me why can't i get into this shit you know it ain't for everybody damn it but i want it to be i want to be so you want to be it. one of those people that's in game of thrones yes i kind of do you want to be like i want to be in the know
0: yeah because you know what let me tell <laughs> it's you a hot thing you know as black people we have to know game of thrones and then we also have to know oh, um yeah. like the shot you know or something <laughs> like, like andre
1: that. <laughs>
0: so we gotta know both shows yeah. this is a great talking point for any white audience mm-hmm. game of thrones oh girl yeah 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 so that's why i got into it so i can be like at the water cooler right hey did y'all catch game of thrones
1: because mm, they're gonna be like yes can yes, we you did.
0: believe what happened what do you think is gonna happen next right
1: exactly right okay they, yeah i've had those encounters and they were like do you watch the game of Thrones?" i was like no no <laughs> see you gotta you gotta you got
0: to have something in your belt, internet that I you know. can pull from I know. that they watch, I know. and you can be like, "Oh yes, right, let exactly. me provide my insight." <laughs> you ain't watching Game of Thrones, yo. Oh, I'm trifling. Okay. All right, that was not part of the show, but <laughs> all right, you guys, it's it's time for the spotlight, and this week we are continuing our interview with Christina Saunders and Summer Bonner, writer, producer, director, mm-hmm. story editors of um barely adults a web series that Antoinette and i both love yes um again in this interview we're talking to them about their roles in creating the podcast mm-hmm. their outlook on the future of black content mm-hmm. and their advice on pushing through your obstacles to achieve your dreams absolutely. so go ahead and listen to part two of this wonderful dialogue that we have with them absolutely innovative, creative, overall black excellence.
3: It's time for the spotlight.
1: The next question is, so, for your
2: role on the show, the web series, Barely um, Adults, what were your key responsibilities on set? We, we understand what you guys did leading up to the, that moment, but what did you guys
4: do day to day as you were filming the actual web series? So it's, well, I'll, Summer, you wanna go first? You want me to go first?
5: Um, yeah, I can start this one. Um, okay. So my role was like more uh, necessary in pre-production just because yeah. um, and I feel like the nature of pre-production in general is always like the bulk of the project um, and was also the bulk of this project. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was like, like my, like helping edit editing, um, setting up casting, et cetera, doing things like that. Um, in production, I would say like making sure that like people had what they needed, making sure the actors were showing up um one day, helping with wardrobe, like so whatever came up, I basically like needed to be there because Christine was directing. So she was out basically. Like she couldn't she couldn't be in the like city, like yeah. going on behind the scenes, um, just because that wasn't like what her focus needed to be. So, um, yeah. That's basically it in a nutshell.
3: Yeah,
4: Summer's downplaying a little bit of what she did. But
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> she was my right hand, so I, um, I wrote, directed, produced this. Which, like, you know, there's a reason why those are three jobs. But you do what you have to do, and so, um, <laughs> and that's what I learned. And so, there, Summer, it, this isn't. So we were in pre pre production for a long time because I wanted this to be right. And I also had like a a really demanding day job while I was doing this. And so there would be things that Summer would help take care of during the day that I just couldn't get to because I I had a job. (laughs) And, you know, in the evenings, then she'd be like, okay, this is what I handled during the day. In the evenings, I would take the baton. And on the weekends, I would, you know, cover what I could. Um, But, you know, there was casting. We did... Like real casting, <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, like we we didn't <laughs> just like find friends to get in this. We actually put ads out and reached and contacted every single um, you know uh, acting studio in New York and contacted schools and and just every anything we could think of and that took time and we went through different rounds of casting and then nailing people down and making sure that they knew when they needed to come and it was like a ton of people so she helped with that you know there was um revision to the script that would happen like at the last minute because suddenly locations changed you know or like i'm looking for locations she's like finding something and making sure that we have like we can get in there, and like you know, I'm going to go visit something. She's calling another location, and we're trying to figure out logistics, and you know, so it 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 uh I it was it was a lot uh, the way I did it,
3: <laughs>
4: you know, because you're like I want to see you do my creative vision, but oh my god, I have six different locations, <laughs> um, and so just like calling in every favor you possibly had. And, you know, my friend Alero came through, you know, and just found us an office, which was really hard. In New York City, finding an office with light where they'll let you come in and shoot for two days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for like what we were gonna pay them and right. he did that so it, it it truly takes a village with these things depending on how you want to shoot it because you know you can definitely people can definitely go out there and shoot just like you know with their camera try something out have the homies do it and continue mm-hmm. doing it and building an audience that way but i knew i wanted it to be something that I was proud of that summer was proud of and that I'd feel comfortable putting it in my portfolio next to the other things I have and actually sending it to people. But you don't, you don't have to do it the way that we did it, you
2: know? But you guys did an amazing job. I mean, hands down, I have to say, like I really enjoyed it and it was beautiful and I noticed that. So that's why I really wanted to know more about how you guys got the permits and the permission to do the things that you did for this, for this show. Like it was amazing. Yeah. Like, well, yeah.
4: Cool. I made I made it clear that we I think we only shot once. So the, the stoop scene was the only time that we shot outside. With the crew, and it was in Crown Heights across the street from my apartment. I got permission. Somehow the woman came out of our house because the location had just fallen through. And I was like, We have to shoot this scene. We need to improvise really fast. Where can we quickly grow? Because we have this whole crew of like 15 people and cast who can like quickly move. Um, And the woman came out of her house, and I was like, Can we use your stoop really fast? She said, Yes. We shot that in like 30 minutes. And moved on Um, a lot of the houses and apartments were friends apartments so they said yes Um, the office that was we had to go through the building and the um, office owner but she was a friend of a friend and just was just really sweet about it and like had one of her staff members there to help like let us in and stay there with us and he was super helpful um, the, let me see, the wine scene where the, she's in the wine shop, you know, just contacting different owners. I contacted literally every owner, business owner in Crown Heights to try <laughs> to find these. Places. So, like you see, like a few, but I called 50. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and just for various reasons, some people wanted to help and some people, you know, were like, weren't, didn't feel comfortable
2: with it. So, we just made it work, but we got permission from everybody. And did you show them the final product or were they able to see it and, like, you know, uh, view the content or anything? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was like, if you guys want some footage, if you want
4: um, your name, I think all of their names are in the credits. Um, You know, we, we shared that. So.
1: Fantastic.
4: Yeah. But I was lucky. I, I feel very lucky to have shot this in Crown Heights, uh, which isn't in the heart of like Manhattan um, you know, it's a community of people who look out for each other and want to help each other. And, you know, we could, I shot it all in like a mile radius. So it was easy to move logistically between uh, location moves. So, you know, that was all on purpose. Nice. Wonderful. Now it's like, so, kind of yeah, like, like we said, like
2: you're, oh, go ahead. I'm playing.
5: Like, sorry. I was just going to say, like, it's my turn to say like, Christine's kind of downplaying, <laughs> like like just this kind of the force of nature that she is. And I think it goes back to also um, something when you are working, just like having good contacts with people, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, being your full best person um, and holding on to those relationships and making like genuine relationships with people. And like, just, I think the thing that surprised me the most is just kind of how people, I just always assume that people just like need so, so many things. Like you have to pay people like all this money and do all this stuff. But then you kind of realize like everybody wants the same opportunities. Everybody wants to create something that's quality and like has their name on it. Um, And that was something that Christine wanted to do from the beginning. So it's just the people, A, that she knows, and also the people that she found and et cetera. Everybody was so excited from like the minute that they came into the project because her vision was so strong and it was so like, it was so detailed and she knew what she was going for. And people like, even when we started casting you know based off of what like a one-page thing actors would come in and already know that they were in good hands and then they would meet us um and they would be even more relaxed and it was just like an amazing process so it does everything does start kind of with your leader with you know the head of the project and like everything started with Christine and she knew what she wanted to do um and everything just kind of Grew from there in the finished product, like you said, it definitely reflects that. So,
2: yeah. Thanks,
4: oh, <laughs> job. Like, yeah, really.
2: And I think that you guys brought up a key point with the industry is that having relationships with people, but genuine relationships with people, mm-hmm. is like the key to be able to advance your career and, you know, Broaden your creativity within the industry itself because in the end you do end up calling on people that you knew five ten years ago Or mm-hmm. you know or someone you just met, you know So having those genuine relationships and keeping those contacts is something that's great to be able to progress in, um When making films and all in short films or anything content related
4: Yeah, it's all about that. Uh, I think I, I hope I've, I've throughout my career. I've tried to be honest keep my word, do what I say I'm going to do, treat people fairly. Um, and I think that's what the people I've worked with have and pay people and pay people on time, you know, <laughs> so um, so I, that's something that matters to me because that's how I would want to be treated. And so therefore I've surrounded myself with people also of like mind. And, um, and in the same way that like, I, would ask of Summer or Madeline um, to help me on a project I'm also willing, more than willing, to help them in any capacity. So it
2: goes both ways. And the fact that you also were working a full-time job while also doing this is also really inspirational because I know a lot of creatives who may want to jump out and start producing web series or short form content or content period, but you can't just quit your job and just go full blown into it and just, you know, or you can. I mean, some people can do that, but for the most yeah. part, it's great to know that you're able to balance also working full time, even though it may be challenging at, at moments. But to balance as well as do a, a, you know, your content or your your passion. So that's that's awesome.
4: Yeah, yeah. I you know, for me personally, some people, and I admire those people who are like. I'm gonna quit my job today, and I'm gonna make something that's not gonna make any money for a long time. And I'm gonna figure it out, you know? Right, exactly. Like I salute them, me. I'm like, if this goes over budget, like I need to find somewhere where I'm gonna find that money, you know? Right. Like, and so therefore, it it just it it helped. That not having to worry about that, like took a lot of pressure up of me and allowed me to be even more creative, you know? So it it just and it just took you know, some are gonna agree with it, like she she had access to my calendar. Like it was it was really intense of like how we just were extremely organized and we had a timeline that just stuck and it was like here's when we're going to shoot and here are the steps we need to do in order to, and we didn't like rush it and the timeline also helped us not feel too overwhelmed with everything um and it was just like okay i i have this full-time job i'm going to do this but i it might take me a little bit longer in our pre-production just because i can't do as much during the day you know right yeah
5: i i think that um also like not rushing it um Yes. And being realistic about what we could pull off yes. in whatever timeframes, whether it came down to um, like the budget, like I think yes. I wanted the shooting schedule to be longer, and Christine puts the kibosh on it because she's like, "That's not realistic," you know, like yes. things like that. Like you have to, but you have to know stuff like that. Like you, you have to go into a project with your eyes wide open and just know, like you're not going to be able to do some things or maybe you everybody wants their project to be written and done in like three days but that's Mm -hmm. not realistic you know in Mm -hmm. a lot of sense so if you are working a full-time job um, especially or you have anything else going on in your life you just have to be realistic about like how much time you have to give to the project and how long it's really going to take Um, and I because I have a feeling a lot of times things fail because people want to rush things um, instead Mm -hmm. of just Being realistic about what it actually takes to, you know, get something like this done and done in a way that they want to do it. Exactly.
2: Agreed.
4: Exactly. Yeah. I do because I don't look at this and feel like I compromised anything on it. It is exactly, it's better than what I could have imagined. And that's because I took my time and had strong people around me.
3: That's awesome. So... Are you ladies planning on um, doing the season two or releasing more episodes? Yeah, I think it's up for. that is That is
4: up for, that is uh, dependent on a number of things that we are not going to share right now, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think we for sure have loved this. Um, it's something that. I'm continuing to push. It is not dead in any sense It in there and barely adults will continue on, um, in what form is something that, you know, we're, we're exploring.
2: Well, there's hope. Yay. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) sure. All right. So switching gears just a little bit, guys, um, we want to know, um, what are your thoughts about the future of streaming and like the, the change that has happened in the industry in the past? I mean, I would say five years, but honestly, the past year, I mean, so much has changed. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on streaming and um, black content in general? Because it seems like the past couple years that we've had a surge in more black content um, being produced and, you know, showing that um, writers, directors, everything behind the scenes. Um, what are you, your guys thoughts on streaming and black content?
4: Or do you want to take that one? Yeah. So,
5: the streaming is um, obviously still kind of the future because people are still stable um, um, for the most part. Um, but I think you know, even I don't know, like years ago, I didn't want to pay for cable anymore. So. I was just streaming, but then I was kind of cheating to you because I was, like, using um, the cable account that I still had, like, home, et cetera. So I think, but now there's more options. You, can, you know, you can sign up for um, this that. I think the problem is that everything is so expensive and it's still so, like, kind of individualized. Um, I think things are going to come together more. And I also think the other problem is uh just like because uh ad scales are very important um and still like the premium is kind of placed on them so um until people like netflix and hulu etc kind of start coming out with numbers or somebody figures out a different way to monetize these things like beyond because ad dollars like are a huge part of it um a huge part of kind of why streaming isn't it's it's like getting to where it's, go- it's supposed to be but until someone kind of figures out how to um how to like set up a different revenue stream um advertisement is always kind of going to be king in that way so um that's kind of been an interesting thing to see too how they're trying to figure out how to incorporate ads without um you know having it be a thing i mean like i pay for hulu which um which i pay for like the no ads hulu and lately on certain networks like abc for example they have been showing ads even though like i'm paying for no ads because obviously that's like a huge like loss of funds um for these networks so and which i think is something the average viewer doesn't understand um so until that's fixed i don't I, I just like, until next week. I don't think everyone's going to combine their apps. And um, I don't think that people, you know, money is money. Um, and especially the more the economy just kind of changes, like automation, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't think people are going to have the funds to pay more and more for an ABC and a CBS than like all these individual apps. So they have to come together and then in, in, in different ways. But we'll see. And I'm sorry. What was the other part of the question?
2: Um, your thoughts on black content in general. Oh, The yeah. surge of that.
4: And, and lady, sorry. Um, I, I have to jump oh. off in five minutes. Just as a heads up.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. No worries. Okay.
5: So, um, black content. I think is there's there's so much more varied black content right now. I think it's um we're finally in a place where we have like all black casts and people are telling modern stories going on right now. Um, And it's not just kind of being pigeon, we're not being pigeon-held to the best friend or like maybe we're the lead, but it's just one black person. And I think that's like been really amazing to see the more you hear about like all black writers rooms, things like that, it's really inspiring. Um, But honestly, like I can think of like five black shows that are, really quality Black shows that have all Black cats, and that's still kind of it. So, for, in my opinion, I still think there's a lot of growth left in the industry. It doesn't feel like a surge to me, um, but that's just my opinion. Christine, I don't know how you feel about this. No, I think you're, you
4: hit the... You were you're right on target.
5: So, yeah. But it's still exciting. I mean, any kind of growth is you know, growth for one is growth for all, but um, I still would like to see um, more. I wish I could rattle up the number of how many, um, just shows of color in general, and also like black shows were last year, but I cannot remember the number off the top of my head, but it's still not, it's just still not enough. Um, So yeah, but we'll keep going.
3: So Summer, you, you just um, what you say was interesting to me that um, even though people are producing more content, you felt like um, there wasn't as good of quality as it perhaps should be. And are you looking for more uh, varied stories? Are you looking at the um, quality of the uh, cameras and the cinematography of it or the editing or the um, any of those things or what are you looking for?
5: What do you I guess the quality? Of it? For me it's not it's not that I don't think that there's quality content out there at all. I hope I didn't I'm sorry if I conveyed that. Um for me it's the access and when I think of um just I watch a lot of television. <laughs> when I think of shows in general, I mean I I'm thinking of major shows that everybody like are like on a massive scale, like any other show, like you know, like Blackish or you know Empire or like um, Greenleaf, et cetera. Queen Sugar, like these are things that are highly exposed, big shows that have like kind of. I don't want to call them crossover shows because we're part of the mainstream, but let's be real about kind of the shows that are always pushed, you know? So for me, there are a lot more shows, but there's still not the same number of shows that have like white leads in them and all male writers rooms or like late night shows or, you know, et cetera, things like that. So that's like more what I'm speaking to. I just never want to stop at one place. Again, it's exciting and it's amazing. And I'm glad that so many shows like, you know, Insecure have like Black Writers Rooms and Atlanta and and people are bu- buzzing about these things. Like Atlanta it's such a huge, like, get in general. It's such a huge win. Um, everybody loves it. Critics love it, et cetera. And there are um, a bunch of other shows like that. But I still just never want to, I just like want to see as Black people, there's so many of us, we have so many stories, um, especially, like, we're talking about TV, but, like, in film, don't even get me started, like, I could rant for days about how we just get so limited to Civil War stories and slavery stories, and then we have, like, a couple of, we have, like, people like Spike Lee or, you know, Gina Prince by the Wood, etc., that make content that's just like more modern that's telling these rich stories and so i still want more i'll always want more um no matter how many people are creating you know good new content that's how i feel
2: Awesome.
4: Okay. okay. Well, ladies, thank you so much for having us. I mean, unless you've got no questions, I actually I have to run.
2: Um. Um, no, that's pretty much it. Um. We can wrap. If Summer, you have a few more minutes. We have one more question. Um, Christine, you have to jump okay. off. We, we appreciate um, you taking time out to um, speak with us. We really um, appreciate it so much. And we'll be in touch soon with the rest of the interview and everything else.
4: Okay, great. Thank you, ladies. Bye. You're
2: welcome. Bye, honey. Okay, so much. So the last question that we had is um, I guess, well, we have two more questions. Um, just what is your advice for black women looking to produce or distribute their own content?
5: Um, wow, that is <laughs> um, I think my advice is Go for it. (laughs) I know it sounds so simple, and the scale that we did it on, um, it did take a lot of revenue and time and um, and people. And again, it was not just the way that Christine wanted to do it, but the way that I also wanted to do it. Um, Especially because again, we like come from producer backgrounds, and our minds just work in a certain way. But I think that I just know so many people that are so creatively talented, and again. I think there is a lot of fear. And I also think that people just feel like everything needs to be bigger than life. Um, again, just like going into this project, I was really, really surprised, like I said before, about how many people just wanted to be a part of this process with us that were people that were so talented Um and they didn't need like all the bells and whistles they were just like willing to do it so i always say like just go write your script you know try to get someone to read it and say no one has any time to read it then still try to shoot it anyways it it was amazing to have like you know the financial means to be able to like rent equipment and like um get great people that maybe we otherwise wouldn't have been able to get but go have your friends shoot with you like shoot on your phone I mean I was in a sketch group this summer and I shot an entire sketch like just with my phone and it turned out great like I think people just I feel like there's always an excuse like not to um move forward with something and sometimes you just need to start small just to show yourself that you can do it like um and then maybe the next time you go and you raise funds and you you know, do everything on a massive scale. But yeah, I think that's, that's my advice is, um, again, like there just needs to, like I said, there can never be enough stories um, from black people, from black women. I just think that we are so very, we have so many things to say um, that people haven't heard yet, that they don't know if they're not within our community. And mm-hmm. um, I just hope that people, you know, really just keep keep putting themselves out there um, in whatever ways that are manageable for them.
2: Nice, agreed. I, I agree because um, it's just, it. sometimes it can be difficult just jumping out there and like you just don't know where to start or you just, you know, you may think that because I don't have the money, I mean, Just what ten years ago? Yeah, ten years ago, it was extremely difficult to do anything in the industry because you had to have a lot of money, you had to raise a lot of capital, et cetera, and it was only for a certain demographic that was able to obtain those, you know, skills or those um, cameras and editing software, et cetera. But now, the fact that um, it's the, the price point has come down. You know, technology has made it a lot easier for anyone to pick up a camera and to be able to shoot and film and create art. It's just, it's a wonderful thing, in my opinion. And I just, I think it's great for our community to be able to understand that we do have these options to tell our stories now, and we need to be the ones in control of those narratives now.
5: Exactly. And I think, you know, the, everything, I I feel like people feel like things just have to, like, just like go outside of the box sometimes. Like, there are people that, um you know, do everything in graphics, or they know how to draw, or they just like you know there's like Marcel the shell where it's just like an inanimate object and you're making it talk like things like that like there's just so many ways to do things um within whatever you have in your home, you could probably do a one person thing where it's just you coming up with something like it doesn't have to be twelve hundred people on a set you know, on a beach or whatever. It could be like you sitting in your car, like doing a monologue or something. Like, but just do it. Just put yourself out there in some way so you can get over that hump. Because the hump is like it's a it's real. It's a it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I just I think that like you said, it's such a cool it's just a cool time. Like you could turn on your computer and make a video on YouTube without even having um anything else without having any equipment um, and just shoot it that way. It's like bananas mm-hmm. great people can create now. It's awesome.
3: So yeah. And last question for you. Um, go yes, ahead. You're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so what are your projects that you're working on outside of Barely Adults and working with Christine, do you have anything coming up that we should be on the lookout for? Honestly,
5: like, with this question, I'm not, like, I'm not even gonna, like, aside from the podcast, I really don't have anything to promote. So, yeah, that's all. <laughs> I'm just saying this to you guys. in your recording, but, yeah, no.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's
2: fine. Do you know Christine is working on anything currently, or if she has any projects in the works coming, or?
5: Yeah, I think that she does, but I don't, as far as, like, future things, I i don't feel comfortable speaking for her.
2: Um, oh, no worries. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. We just wanted to give you guys, if you want to promote anything, to let people know where they could find, you know, um, anything you guys More. have working on right now. Yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah.
5: I'm like I really do wish I had something
2: to um to
5: promote but I do not right now.
2: No so. worries.
5: <laughs> thank you for asking. This is so nice.
2: Absolutely. Um but let people let our audience know where they can find you at or um you know where they can find any of your work at. Okay. Um
5: Yeah, uh I am at some on everything. <laughs> so <laughs> That's where people can find me um, on like basically like any normal social media. I don't snap though, because I like to, you know, enjoy m- my life in the moment.
3: Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Agree.
5: <laughs> so that's it. That's where you can find me. Say awesome. Hi. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, everyone, make sure you go over to Summer's page and say hello to her and um show her some love. Definitely. Um for
5: once a script edited, please contact me. I would love to, you
2: know, have more clients. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is like a show <laughs> where we're we're for networking to getting to know other people and to putting everyone in contact with others. So definitely. Um that's awesome and that is the end of the interview summer
5: (laughs) thank you so much you guys are so
2: thank you I really
5: appreciate you doing this and wanting to interview us
2: like I
5: mean this is obviously my first podcast (laughs) but it was really (laughs) fun and and I'm glad that it was with you guys because you made it just like so easy and comfortable. So thank
2: you Not- Oh, no, th- thank you for, you know, taking the time out of your schedule. You and Christine, we really appreciate it. We admire the work that you um, are doing. Uh, we can't wait to see more work from you guys, from you ladies, um, rather. And um, we're rooting for you as always. Oh,
5: oh thank you. Yeah, and congratulations on reaching your first year. That's amazing. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
3: Thank you.
0: Spoiler alert. alert. Yay. All right, so I have a couple of things on the docket that I want to talk about today. Yes. First, let's go into the easiest for me, mm-hmm. which is The Shy. Oh, that's premier- the easiest? Okay. Yeah, right. no, it is the easy because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must got a lot to say. It was only one episode premiered this that's past true. weekend. That's very um, true. Again, The Shy is on Showtime, created mm-hmm. by Lena Waithe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it was, um, a great setup to the season. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Me too. Although the
0: only one thing that I did not like about it, I just felt like those flashbacks of Ronnie's life was unnecessary. Like we don't need those.
1: I don't know why they did that. It really wasn't necessary. Um,
0: but, um, I loved it. Yeah, me too. And you know what? One thing, so I love Lena Waits. I think she's a talented writer, you know, in the beginning, um, we're open. We open up with um, Brandon, played mm-hmm. by Jason Mitchell. Yes. His character with his taco truck and all that. Yeah. And um, then he gets robbed at the end. Right. And then I literally said when that happened, I was like, "Damn, black people can't have shit." Right. And it was funny because right? one of the characters, the guy who was dating his mom, and mm-hmm. the show said that same thing. And yep. I was like, "Man, see, we we, we be we, we vibing, no one, yeah. We be vibing." Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Damn, that's." Just shit. I actually said niggas can't have shit, but yeah. Uh, yeah. pretty much I felt so bad for him. I honestly I
1: was afraid that I mean it felt that scene felt so real when he was getting robbed and he was gonna get shot. I was like so scared. Because that's real stuff. It is real, it's very real. And I didn't know what was gonna happen at that moment. And men can be so prideful and in that mm-hmm. moment do some stupid things and not think logically. And so I'm just glad that he kept his cool and just let him have it. Say, you know, I'll build this again, you know, like,
0: yeah, we, we, yeah. Yeah, he facing a lot of setbacks.
1: Yeah, you know, but I mean, yeah. Um, What do you think about um, Emmett, Jacob um, Lattimore's uh, character in this season so far? Or the, the arc of what his story is going to be? <clears throat> him him in being seeing his dad and all that stuff, his dad got the same situation he got going on.
0: <laughs> right, because that's what it looked like what yeah, was going on.
1: Because
0: I was like, "Damn it, am
1: Hanging off your chest like that,
0: jeez." Um, the funny thing about this, and I was just talking to someone about it. You know how like you watch shows with ensemble cast, and um, everyone has different story arcs. Mm-hmm. There's usually s- some character that you're like, "I could do without this story arc." Mm-hmm. Um. I don't feel that way about any of the characters in this particular program. Same. Although I feel like Emmett, I'm less invested in his um, story arc. So it would be interesting to interesting to see where it goes for him
1: yeah it's getting kind of tiring this whole baby mama the whole um, because it's not growing it's
0: not to me he's not i don't know
1: yeah no his character's is not growing right now at the moment you know it's not he's not he's in the same situation you know that he was in last season just bouncing back and forth here and there um it's a little annoying at this point i just want him to do better but and it's um, hard to feel some type
0: of empathy for him because oh, it's like sure. you yeah, know you can tell that he's not mm-hmm. lazy but then also some of the well maybe he is lazy i don't know, I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to to decide how i feel about the character yeah but.
1: i just he's annoying to me his character is getting a bit annoying to me okay um just because of the fuck boy shit he does
0: oh i just okay.
1: <laughs> just to be capital, honest like, I just capital capital
0: fuck <laughs> But boy. i just can't Okay. Um,
1: but the kids were delightful. This I absolutely season. love those they, kids. Yeah. they just they bring me so much joy. <laughs> Papa
0: is so funny. He is. That kid, Shaman Brown Junior, mm-hmm. He's gonna be something. You know, if he keep it up.
1: Yeah, he's gonna he, be something. He,
0: all of his lines he delivered. Yeah, absolutely. So funny. Mm-hmm. he just so cracks me up. Funny. he's just
1: amazing. Like
0: <laughs> He was such when a joy. he's talking about um. That, what recall, it was a procrastinator and that oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> multitasking flares up his hypertension. I was like, boy, if you don't get your butt out of here, absolutely hilarious.
1: Love it, love it, love it. So, um, the last thing I want to say is that I wanted to touch on. How do you feel about the last, the very last scene with the grandmother? Um, mm. Yeah, exactly. And you know what's funny is that I completely forgot that they go there with this show. Like, they're not afraid to show gory stuff and, like, show you the real deal.
0: That was hard to watch. It was. It, like, I was cringing the whole time.
1: I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now?
0: Because, you know what? We don't really see a lot of elder abuse um, yeah, but it happens portrayed on TV. Mm-hmm. People taking advantage of the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like that may be a storyline for them to... um a way for them to get her out that house yeah, exactly. the homeowners yeah yep. but man yeah the whole time when he was beating her up i was like damn black man like he was not caring no. he was not and, caring know, at all what, corey, like
1: corey mentioned something he said you know it's not as if they went to her house looking for something it's as if they just specifically went there to beat her up
0: they wanted to intimidate her
1: Do, oh so now that so, yeah, so when you said that they did that, maybe this is a way for her to get out to of that house. house. So, do you, you think those people set this up? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what you're. Okay. I just caught on to that just now. Yeah.
0: Got it. They were trying to intimidate her. Got so, it. I'm just like, damn, but I mean, take it easy. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're looking forward to the rest of the season.
1: I'm excited. I think it's
0: going to um, come out beautifully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's it for the shy. That's all I have. Again, season two just premiered this weekend. You yes, it did on Showtime. So go and you can. There's nothing to catch up on. You just missed one episode.
1: Right. Check it out. Yeah. Tune in, please, guys, so we can get season three. Come on, season three.
0: Yes. <laughs> so speaking of another Showtime series, yes, um, I'm talking about Black Monday. Yes. And Black Monday is a show chronicling the. Worst stock market crash in history that happened in 1987. Mm -hmm. It follows a fictional broker firm. And we're supposed to be, we're led to believe that this particular firm, headed by Don Cheadle, is the reason for this stock market crash, right? Um, So the show is 10 episodes. It's half an hour. It's super easy to like binge watch in a day if you have that type of time. Yeah, it really is. Um, cause like I said, it's only half hour episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters that you should be um, aware of cause this is a multi-racial cast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. So the black people are <laughs> Don Cheadle, mm-hmm. who's the main character plays Maurice Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's his firm. Um, Regina Hall is his partner in his in this firm. Mm-hmm. And um, Kadeem Hardison mm-hmm. plays her spouse. He has a recurring role in mm-hmm. the firm. Um, yeah, so my thoughts on Black Monday. Did you see any of it? I watched the whole series. Okay, so I watched the whole series, but I didn't want to. Um, really? I did not. So... I did see a couple of episodes of House of Lies, right? That ran for five seasons mm-hmm. on Showtime. And it felt like um, Don Cheadle's character in House of Lies was just like a punch-up of this character. Wow, okay. So I um, see why
1: you didn't like that.
0: Which is fine. Don Cheeto is a great actor. He won a Golden Globe for his role in House of Lies, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just... Yeah. Like, and and it's got mixed reviews. You know, people think it's funny. It has this great nostalgic feel. There's a lot of um, 80s references. Big hair, Mm -hmm. ridiculous 80s clothes and styles and all of that stuff. I even like how um, it appears to be shot with some type of film or filter Mm -hmm. to give it that grainy 80s look. You know, it's not clear and crisp. Even some of the lighting choices. Yeah. Are done to where it's harsh and you know, when they're
1: in like the are in there, actually in the office, yeah, and it's just like harsh lighting, yeah, it's very harsh. Yeah. So,
0: I, I really appreciated that visually. Um, but the fact that I don't know, it took me about four or five episodes to get into it because I just it was, I was having a hard time one, understanding what the hell they was talking about. It's a oh. lot of like stock market and financial jargon it. that I. It was like blowing my mind. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck, yo. (laughs) But that's how I felt the whole time. So it wasn't until like the subplots started coming in around episode four until I was like, oh, okay. This is funny. Mm. I mean, yeah. But I don't think there's going to be a season two because the way it ended, it just all wrapped up nicely in a, Mm
3: -hmm. you know, a
0: complete (laughs) series. Right. Um there's really no need for a season 2 because it's not like we had a lot of character development between these um characters, you know, it just was about this one particular event. So it started with the day and then we flash back a year later to the events leading up to a death, right? That had to do something with the stock market. Right. Um, um, I don't know. What'd you thought?
1: So I thought it was really good. I liked it. Oh. So surprise. So what? Okay. So I liked it because it was, I love period pieces and I thought that was awesome and dope. Um, and I thought that just the essence of the film itself and just the nostalgia and, you know, I thought that was really cool. And the fact that you have two prominent black people in, you know, stock market. Yeah. That was really cool for me. A story that I've never heard of. To see, so I now, thought that was
0: really dope. That I did think about that. I mm-hmm. definitely love Don Cheadle and um, Regina Hall. Regina Hall,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Regina Hall did excellent in she this did. whole series. Yeah. And it, when I was watching it, I was wondering, I'm wondering, was it intended for these characters to be black? Um, because for me, the fact that they are black plays a significant role. It's hard to determine that because. Um, they have that whole backstory with him and the Black Panther movement right. and all that stuff. And right. then that Arthur, um, the writer who was supposed to be doing this, Oliver Stone, like right. he was shadowing them, mm-hmm. made references to like a black person that's, right. you know, doing the unusual or doing beyond where he's destined to be. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I was wondering if this was intended for black main characters. Well, that's a good
1: question because I wanted to know if it was based off of a true story or not. Like, No, I,
0: I think these... No, they, the firm and the people are definitely fictional. Okay. The event, the stock market, some of the things they talked about... Really re- happened. Really right. happened. But, yeah, that whole thing is fictional.
1: Okay, so I thought that was really cool. And um, what else did I like about... So the one thing I will say, I thought, so overall, I thought the series was good. I thought I loved it, I binge watched it all weekend. That's kind of what I was doing, and Mm -hmm. and it was easy to keep up with. The thing that I get what you probably didn't like about is that I could predict everything that was gonna happen prior to seeing the next episode. Because I saw all the little subtle, um, the hints that they were dropping within the episode that carried on to the next one. Just like with the cocaine and all that stuff, how that was a big ploy and setup. And then just you, I could kind of predict. Maybe it's my mind of how you know I know how storylines and arcs happen that I saw coming and things that I could predict that was going to happen prior to it actually going into. Well,
0: it. no, I mean, okay, yeah, I get that. I think my thing was like, so the first four episodes, or even three, I would say three, was just so heavy laden with like all these references, and they were speaking so fast about them. Cause that's how they operate in the stock mm-hmm. market. Like in the financial wall street. There was like, someone told them this and let but I'm yeah. like, I don't know what the hell you're talking <laughs> about. So like, if y'all are not talking about other things, I, and it's not about money, then I don't get it. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't getting,
1: got it. getting
0: the whole setup. Okay. Yeah, I got that. But, everything else, like, that's a lot of, a large part of the show.
1: It was. I think I just totally blanked out on that because mm. I didn't get, like, I know I didn't understand any half the stuff they were talking about. But I love, like, I want to learn about the stock market and how that stuff works. So I was intrigued mm-hmm. with how they were doing certain things and how the certain things they were talking about. But the underlining story of what was going on is what kept me interested and um, in the inner web that they were connecting and entangling together. Now, what I want to figure out is if, the main character and Virginia Hall's character are actually an item or not? You saw the whole season, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't really. Okay, I'm
0: not sure. They used the to end. be an
1: item. Were they all the? But I don't even know if they really were an item though, because they kind of flipped. Yeah, because you
0: remember he was saying um, he proposed her. He was no, 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 going to propose. No, not Don
1: Cheadle's character. I'm talking about. Oh, um, you talking
0: about um, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That
1: guy. If if that was all staged, because I think they were just playing that up. That wasn't clear
0: if he was gay or if he was playing. I don't know. Right.
1: Or if he really wasn't, or they were just playing to be, you know, I was curious to find that one. But I mean, I thought the whole, I thought it was good. I think it's a great, um, show for you guys to check out. I personally don't think there's going to be a season two only because of the way season one wrapped. Um, I thought that they would carry it out so that every day or every episode it would jump down from 365, 364, 363, but they jumped all the way to one by season 10. So it was like, okay, so what's the point? They
0: oh, wanted. I see what you're saying. You thought it was going to be a longer... Yeah, because okay. I
1: figured that they wanted to lock in the fact that they are going to have additional seasons. Mm. So they wanted to play this out, but when they started going, the numbers start jumping, like hundreds of, you know, points down to one to the day of the actual stock market crash. I'm like, yeah. well, okay, this is done.
0: Maybe it wasn't, it was never intended to be a season two. It's Maybe. just a limited series, which is... Which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, um, what I like, I said, what I enjoyed the most was seeing Don Cheadle and Regina Hall. Yeah, definitely. Um, Don Cheadle is also an executive producer, and Regina is um, a producer on the show. So get those dual credit coins. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So I would say, if anything other than to see these two great actors, mm -hmm. um, you know. Punch it out with one another, cause you know Don Cheadle gives a quip and Regina is giving it right back right. to him. So I love to mm-hmm. see to see their dynamic, and I thought they had great chemistry. Same,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, other than that, that this is gonna be one I suggest that you just move right on past.
1: Oh no. <laughs> I say watch. If you
0: have time, watch. I don't like see why not. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I. Uh, I think I'm just. I got too stuck into like the financial part of it, yeah. and I'm just like, this is not interesting <laughs> to me. Okay. So, like, I never even seen Wall Street. No.
1: Wolf of no. Wall Street? What the
0: heck? I've never. Seen, I've. What? I've seen Wolf of Wall Street, and see to me. Wolf of Wall Street was interesting because of that character and just like how ridiculous that was. But Don Cheadle's character was ridiculous too.
1: The way they were doing cocaine. Yeah, no, I this think, I think that was all
0: true. I like, like I said, I like the characters, but to me, that what that movie wasn't as heavy. I don't know. I could be wrong. It didn't have all of the, um, the financial, financial jargon of- as the show did. Like, When it comes to movies like that, like um, The Big Short or Wall Street, Wall Street 1, Wall Street 2, all of those movies, count your girl out because I don't Mm. know what y'all are talking about. And maybe I should because I should learn some things about money and I'm going to be eating a goddamn plate of chicken nuggets for dinner.
1: i can't with you. I can't. (laughs) So now, some stock stalking chicken nuggets.
3: So, so maybe I should watch these
1: damn
0: movies. Yeah. yeah, maybe to learn a thing or two. Now that I think about it, okay. Y'all, y'all think I'm laughing? I'm crying. Okay. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. So. Mm. Like I said, I, I like stuff like that. I don't know. I like, I, even though I don't understand, I still I still like it. Okay. So, if you like Wolf of Wall Street, I think you would like this too, Black Monday. Um, And if you're into like yes. the financial kind of thing. Or if you just want to see John Cheadle and um Regina Hall, like just support them. Watch
0: it. Or even that guy, Andrew runoffs. I thought he yeah, was funny. Yeah, he was funny too, yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, uh, My last spoiler alert is Native Son. on hbo came out this past weekend did you read the book native son
1: i did not what's funny as hell is that i did watch this
0: you did i did i called the tail end because corey put it on and i was like is this new what is this okay (laughs) so it premiered on hbo this past weekend um native son is based on richard wright's novel by the same name and the book and the movie is about um bigger thomas who's an african-american male young guy lives in Chicago Mm -hmm. he becomes a chauffeur for a um affluent family
1: yeah and
0: then he finds himself into some um (laughs) unfortunate events with this family um the director for this film is Rashid Johnson um and this is his first full length movie he is a visual artist mm. and a documentarian. His two documentaries are based on art. So he's more of an, a visual artist than he is um,
1: I can see that. a
0: video guy. I mean, I can see that. although he incorporates video into his artwork, right? You can see that because we're going to we talk sh- about that yeah. later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the screenwriter for this um, is Susan Lori Parks. Writer for um, Their Eyes Were Watching Girl, God, that TV teleplay that mm-hmm. with Holly Berry. Yeah. And Girl 6, mm-hmm. directed by Spike Lee. Yes. So those are her known claim to fame. It stars Ashton Sanders, who plays Bigger Thomas. Um, you know Ashton from Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also in The Equalizer 2. Um, Lathan Lathan is in this film as his mother, Trudy mm-hmm. and Kiki Lane, the beautiful Kiki Lane, um, mm-hmm. plays Bessie, his girlfriend. Kiki was God. just in, um, I was about to say the wall street bill, uh, it's bill street could talk. Yeah. Kiki was just in there as a the main character. Um, so things that mm-hmm. I liked about this you could very tell that the director thought a lot about how this movie would be visually. Yeah. Cause it's highly stylized. Yes. Um, so I could appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I read the book and the book is one of my favorite books, I was disappointed with this adaptation.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. That
0: yeah. That happens.
1: Um, more than we like to say.
0: Yeah, because this book... The book is heavy. Like...
1: That damn movie was heavy.
0: No, see, I didn't get that. I didn't think the movie was heavy. Well, see, I heavy. haven't
1: read the book, so I don't know what to base it off of. But that... Okay. Because when I saw what was going on, I was like, what the... F-? Like, mind you, I was watching out of the corner of my eye because I was doing our notes mm-hmm. for this. <laughs> While, you know, it was playing on in the background. I had to turn around and finish watching it.
0: So the movie is... He- I mean, the book is heavy. It's a... The differences are... The book is set in um, during the Great Depression mm, okay. and segregation. Mm-hmm. So we have all that to contend with. Mm-hmm. And because all of this is happening, bigger conditions of racial segregation, we have, he is, has limited access to opportunities. Uh-huh. He has no money. He's poor. His family is poor. Um, those conditions help to set up the crimes that unfortunately he played a role in, mm-hmm. and I say crimes because in the book is more than one, but I'll get into that. So, because this was the movie was set in modern, yeah, you know, day, it was hard. It didn't really bridge the gap between bigger's conditions and the inevitable, because the book is very much the tone of the book is that bigger must come into this inevitable fate of becoming a criminal because of his conditions and because society views him as a criminal and as a savage, as a black man. So he has limited options to become anything else. So then that's why he becomes this chauffeur versus today. I mean, I'm not saying that people still don't have limited options if you're poor, but for this young man to become a chauffeur, it just seemed whack for me especially because he was seem to be more interested into other things he was he was known about he knew about beethoven in the movie he yeah. was interested in books that were you know of another um scholarly dimension or whatever and then he becomes a chauffeur and i don't know it just didn't work for me
1: okay I and in the
0: that. book the character is way more menacing mm. like And you can, he, the character really tells about this angst that he's feeling about like this uncontrollable fate that he's going to happen. Like he knows he's going to participate in something. He knows that his fate is either prison or death. Like that's just something he already instinctively knows that he knows that he cannot escape. And so whatever his actions are and his motives are, he's just like, I don't care. Like his, the character's book. The character in the book is definitely less empathetic than a guy in the movie. And I don't know why that was a choice to make him less menacing. Um, but he was because in the book, and I'm glad, I mean, I don't know. You could take it either way. In the book, there's a rape scene. Like he rapes Bessie. Him and Bessie in the oh. book are not girlfriend and boyfriend. They're just people who are smashing, right? So he forces Bessie to that warehouse type of thing. And he rapes her and then he bludgeons her with a brick. Jesus. Does she survive or no? No. And so she died. The whole thing of him accidentally smothering that white girl, that happens in the book.
1: But because it happened. I didn't understand. I didn't understand that.
0: Well, because you know why? In the book, it, it makes much more sense because he, in his mind, it's a bigger mm, menace to have a black man in this right. white person's bedroom like well, that. Right,
1: which which I get. But my thing is like, why can't you go hide in the closet? This woman's blind coming down the hallway.
0: Yeah, but... And well, the, I don't understand. I don't think the, the movie did a great job of conveying his thoughts of like oh like me being in this bedroom is not going to be a good look you know what i'm saying
1: yeah i just his actions and then just why why not just cover her mouth why smother her with the pillow and well it
0: was an accident
1: again why couldn't he just (laughs) cover her mouth (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) i just didn't understand i was sitting there yelling at the screen the whole time like, I don't understand, sir.
0: It was an accident. I get it, but Jesus. But like I said, to me, the it didn't bridge that gap between bigger and the racial and the, um, I guess, economic conditions that led him up to that point. Right. Because, and then I also didn't like the movie that, the fact that the movie, the second half was rushed. The murder of um, the white girl, Mary, mm-hmm happens way earlier in the book and then the rest of it is about him being on the run him having all these feelings and then there's a trial there is no police shooting he ultimately stays in prison and he doesn't care that he's in prison like he's is not showing any remorse it's the and then the whole discovery of the body didn't happen like how it happened in the movie so there are some differences and I can see why they did it because of um the time period right. adjustments modern day having mm-hmm. to
1: like if you were to take that story and put it into modern day what would that look like it wouldn't be a trial per se it would be a trial per se well no it wouldn't be a trial per se he would have got shot just the way he did in the movie like just like that simple and plain he did There's i mean but
0: happened. but the back in the day that still could have been the same fate i think he could have still had a trial but the fact that again the fact that they made this character more empathetic there was no need to have a trial like you would feel more sympathy for him that he died the way he did then for him to have a trial and then show no remorse and just be like well i don't care because in the book like there's um a scene where like a priest or a preacher comes to speak to him and try to like help him to you know feel better about him circumstances and he's just like it is what it is mm. in the book so-
1: confused with the movie too because it felt like his character was supposed to be empathetic but then he was menacing and then it was like they were flirting with that idea going back and forth and it's like a part of you wanted to feel sorry for him but then a part of you was like well, what the hell are you doing sir like right you know what i'm saying like every like every other move he made it's like you feel sorry but then you don't But then you feel sorry but then you
0: don't you know right versus the book you definitely like that angst that bigger has in the book You feel that same way as his character Cause mm. you're like well damn Here's that inevitability Like you know Again because this was set During a different time period The racial Angst that you will feel being around White people is different than What you would feel In modern day yeah. time So like You wouldn't be as I guess scared or as um cautious to be around them right especially because some 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 of them depending on where you're from I would say yeah I would say that too but it just wasn't set up like that because there was a white girl in that bar that they go to all the time some
1: of it See, again, I'm, so, them, I have no idea how they got to the beach and how it got back to her house. She was on ecstasy. I didn't understand. All what that's not in the
0: book. So, so <laughs> all that is not in the but book. But what's funny
1: is that I figured this was a film that was picked up from Sundance because I do remember um, seeing that cover and that HBO bought this film. But then it was it didn't hit me until Corey put it on last night. And I was like, oh, look at this. And I was like, this is probably one of the films that HBO bought from Sundance exclusively that they had the rights to, to to
0: show. Visually, I thought it was great. I also thought, I also enjoyed the idea that um, Bigger's character in the movie had this Afro punk edge to him. Mm -hmm. Right? So that was something different to portray on TV. But again, because I read the book and I am a fan of the book, and the book is heavy, it's just. It just did not translate well to me.
1: Mm, Okay, like
0: you just didn't feel that same like. That's fair. Doom, as you did when you read the book. So that's that's just my take on it. I don't know, you guys, if you have read Native Son and have seen this movie, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts on Black Monday, Mm -hmm. and um, if you are interested in the characters of the shy and what are your thoughts on how their lives are gonna shape out absolutely we would love to hear from you at um, at black and behind the scenes and all social media on IG and Facebook you can also email us directly at black and behind the scenes at gmail.com
1: absolutely guys and one more last thing before we get off here because this is drops today and over the weekend beyonce's coming oh! April what is it 17. Oh! Excuse me, guys. Hold me. Give me two seconds to get April the date. April seventeenth. It's April seventeenth. Um, she's coming. She. I. I'm excited about this. I am, but it's um, it's kind of too late. It is, but I'm a big um, documentary buff. So I'm. I, I saw the performance, but I would love to see the behind the scenes of how they got up to the performance part. So I'm really interested in seeing that, and I think they're going to shine more light on that. The
3: whole rehearsal. Beyonce,
0: thing. what I really would love <laughs> is if you put on the run too. <laughs> and formation in this Coachella performance on a DVD so I can purchase it and watch it over and over again. I don't care about no behind the scenes. I want the dad concert. And I wonder why she hasn't done that yet. I'm curious because she's holding on to her stuff tight.
1: She used to drop it. and She doesn't I'm like, it.
0: why you so tight-lipped, girl? Yeah,
1: she has been. She got something else planned. I don't know. Why we can't get the concert
0: DVDs?
1: Yeah, you really can't.
0: I feel like this documentary should have been out. Yeah. This winter, because what Coachella was, yeah, was what the summer. summer. Yep. Girl, we like February,
1: had... Jan- like early last year, first second quarter, something like that. But yeah, so that's exciting and congratulations Netflix because I think they have more work with her in Jay Z or whatever Ooh, coming up. So really, we'll see.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. All right, guys. So that just about wraps this show. Like Brittany said, follow us on Instagram. Facebook, as well as follows our personal accounts. Brittany, where can they find you?
0: I'm at Brittany Khan.
1: Awesome. And I am at Antoinette Tope, like the color. Um, and Until next time, guys, see you. Peace. And